You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We're back. I'm inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff North alongside Steve Geller. That last time went long, so this one's going to be short. Um, you know, there short are sweet. Yes. There are a few things that stood out on film this week against the Falcons. And, you know, one of those things was, you know, I don't think the run defense was as big of an issue as it may have seemed when you look at the numbers and you look at 130-whatever yards. I think Dennis Allen actually explained this, and I think – it makes a lot of sense, and uh, here's here's what he had to say on WWL this week. Yeah, and and look, I would say this, and, and certainly we, we want to be better, and we need to be better. Um, you know, with the rookie quarterback, um, they ran in a, in a couple of unique situations and, and had a couple of plays that, um, you know, probably, uh, you know, me in hindsight – uh, would have liked to have been in a little bit different call, just knowing that they had a rookie quarterback instead of being such a pass call, be a little bit more in a run call. Um, and then, and then really they had the one long run on the, on the third and one. Um, and so, you know, they had probably close to a hundred yards rushing, uh, you know, when we were in more of a three down uh, passing game uh, type of call. And so, Look, I put a lot of that on me, um, but yet, you know, the ultimate goal is to win the game, and, and, and they had 320 total yards and only threw the ball for 97 yards, and we gave up uh, 18 points. And I think really over about the last four or five weeks, I think we've given up on average somewhere around 16, 17 points a game. And so um, I think that's winning defense. And so although I want – the run game statistics to be better, and they need to be better. Um, the ultimate thing is to, to win the game, and, and we were able to do that. Yeah, and so what, what he's saying there is, you know, the Falcons managed to catch the Saints in instances where this, this is a point. It's like, okay, they're going to start to open up the pass again, right? So the Saints are reacting as if, okay, this is where we expect them to, to be more aggressive, so we're going to put a, you know, a nickel look or a dime look out there. And – the, but the Falcons never did that, right? Like they just continued to hammer the run and hammer the run to their own detriment. If you want to look at it that way, like the clock ran out on them, <laughs> you know, like the, anytime the clock runs out on you, it's, it's, it's a, it's in part because, you know, you didn't manage it well enough. You get the ball back with nine seconds and no timeouts, you know, you lost that game. So in that, to that sense, like, okay, yeah, you can, you can run the ball between the twenties all you want. I don't think that you're going to be able to run it into the end zone. More more often than not, they they were not able to do that, and the Saints were like, "Yeah, okay, we'll continue to let this clock run." And so that's what happened. Do you want to be better? Which, yeah, like he said, of course you do. Of course you want to stop them. But you know, they they had 97 yards passing in that game, 
So like if your goal was to stump a rookie quarterback and make sure he didn't beat you and say, okay, you want to run the ball while you're down, you know, two scores in the fourth quarter, go for it. And so I think that's, that's part of it, right? Like your the point is to win. And the saints had a combination that won that game. And realistically speaking, if David Johnson doesn't fumble in the first half, you're up two, three scores and they don't run the ball like they did because they have to throw it. And maybe, you know, maybe doesn't really throws a couple interceptions and you win that game by, by 20. Right. So I, I don't, th- I think that the product, the running, in, the rushing numbers of the Falcons was a product of, you know, them being insanely dedicated to it, to a level that you didn't expect. And that's one of the issues that comes in when you play a quarterback that you've never seen play in the NFL before. And that was the case with Desmond Ritter. You didn't know what they were going to do in certain situations. You had to guess. They guessed wrong. It burned them a couple times, but not enough. The balance of that game ended up being on the Saints' side. So, you know, I think it's okay. We did see the run game, though, burn them in week one's matchup too, though. I mean, so that was obviously more of a, you know, Patterson and Mariota other than Algier and, I guess, Patterson this time around. Yeah, well, the Falcons run the ball more than anybody in the NFL, right? Like the, they are they are absurdly dedicated to the run game, um, and it and you know it it worked. Um, in this case, it was different. It was not the read option that you had seen in Week One. It was a very different setup, and I think the Saints did struggle in part because they didn't know what to expect with Desmond Ritter. You they, mentioned they were, which was which was crazy. Ninety seven passing yards, seventy was to Drake London, my lord. The, yeah. the, the rookie just dominated for the receiving game there for them, but they had nothing else. And like a third of it was on that final drive that, well, not the final drive, but the penultimate drive that ended in a turnover. So the second they started trying to open up the passing game, they turned the ball over and they should have had more turnovers, right? Like that, Amen. when you look back and watch that Alante Taylor missed interception in the first quarter, I believe, you know, it's just as bad as it looked in real time. <laughs> I should have caught that, hmm. you know, that interception that he had to start the second half. I still think it was an interception, right? Like he could have had another one. There was a couple fumbles that they were able to get back on. So like the defense played a very good game in my opinion. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're a team that's going to run the ball when you're down by 10 points in the second half, yeah, you're going to put up some yards. <laughs> of course you are. But, you know, you wanted to score faster to, to give yourself a better chance in that game. And they weren't able to do it. And the Saints were able to burn the clock um, running the ball on their own side. So, you know, I think when you look at the, the the balance of what happened and like the total yards and time of possession, you're okay with it. I mean, I think that's what the Saints are going to take out of this game. Now you're going to go against Nick Chubb, assuming he's healthy, and you got to stop him. And I think you got to be a little more creative in terms of how you go about it. But it's you have scout. You have you have the ability to scout Deshaun. You have the ability to scout how they use Nick Chubb with Deshaun, and so you're going to have a better plan going in. Is Kareem Hunt still over there? I mean, yeah. I remember there was like contract issues with him, right? Well, he wanted to be traded, and they didn't trade him. Um, but he is still there. He's their third down back. He'll 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 get in there. Um, I, say, I haven't really heard much from him this season. I feel like no, I, I had him in fantasy. He didn't do much. <laughs> he's like the ultimate handcuff, right? Like if Nick Chubb ever gets hurt, he's gonna go. He's gonna have like he's an RB one. But Nick Chubb didn't get hurt, so he's uh, he's just been out there. But no, I'm looking. Yeah, Hunt's got really decent stats. Honestly, yeah, solid. Yeah, he's the he's he's for, the, for me, the number two guy. Right. He wants to be featured. But he's an important guy, right? Like, it's the same reason, like, whoever the Saints RB2 is, like, it's an important guy. Like, David Johnson, that fumble is is inexcusable. And I do wonder if – because I, I was impressed with David Johnson in that game other than that one fumble, but that fumble changed the game. <laughs> with Saints and fumbles this year, that's something we definitely – I feel like 
I'll have to look at numbers of Saints fumbles in the past years, but this seems abnormally high for them right now. You can't blame one back either. No, it's been everybody. <laughs> um, but yeah, I do wonder for for David, because I thought he actually did run well, but you know, is that fumble going to be what kind of loses him the RB2 job and you give it to Eno and see what he has? Because I, I actually thought, you know, when you when you watched what he was doing in that game, it was like, oh, maybe he will just t- take this job and, you know, has to s- sit there and not get his chance on a third team. But, you know, if you're going to be fumbling, that's not a good look for you. Uh, and so we'll see. I think you'll probably get Eno active this week and maybe try to work him in. I don't know if he's going to be able to be ready, but we'll, we'll see. It's a short week. Um, Did David get the ball again after fumbling? I can't recall. I don't know. I, I have to check. He definitely didn't get... Didn't get it a lot if he got it. He maybe had one or two carries, and they they hammered Alvin Kamara in the second half. But yeah, yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it's and it wasn't a good like it wasn't like a good play by the defense either. That's that's another thing. You look back at it on tape, and like all that happened was you know he's trying to squeeze through a hole. Adam Troutman gets kind of driven back, and he bumps into Adam's back. It just fumbles. So that's not a good look either. But yeah, I just recall like seeing Andy Dalton diving for the ball, and I knew something terrible had gone yeah. wrong at that point. Well, like if you go if you go back to the Bucks game in week two when Mark Ingram fumbled, like, yeah, it's a terrible fumble, but at least you can say like the defender made a great play and he came in and he punched the ball out. And next that'll happen yeah. sometimes is that you know, if if the defender gets his hand perfectly on the ball, you know, it's there's only so much you can do. But in the, when you're just fumbling, that's 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 worse, right? <laughs> like like that's that's not excusable. Um the guy who there was a few the defensive secondary was really good in this game. And Alante Taylor, in particular, despite the missed interceptions, was excellent in coverage in this game. There were the first two Falcons drives. You have to feel bad for Desmond Ritter because he was doing the right thing. Like the Falcons managed to isolate a rookie cornerback in coverage one on one, and Desmond Ritter just threw it up and was like, "Go get it." But Alante had perfect coverage. Like, like you couldn't. There was nowhere to throw the ball. Like he he just walled him off, and it was like you can't do it better than that. You know, other than maybe catching it uh but like i mean this perfect perfect coverage and the ball wasn't bad it was just nowhere for the defense the the offensive player to go get it and you know it's like back-to-back drives and if you're the coach what do you say to him it's like yeah yeah, no that's your right right decision (laughs) i mean you go you you get to when you isolate a rookie cornerback on a receiver and you throw a 50 50 ball you're like okay 50 percent of the time we should be able to go get this well not if there's coverage that good and you know he's just getting better and better. It's, you, you love to see him play. If he if he had taken that one interception and gone to the house, yeah, you'd be t- you know he'd probably be getting defensive player of the week. Yeah, you just gotta, I guess, be happy for what you have seen from him. the The moments definitely don't look too big from him out there. Taylor looks like he's clearly belonged since he's gotten into the lineup for this team. But man, those balls hitting your hands. You, you hope that doesn't become a habit and it's just you know we're inching closer to him finally getting that first takeaway of the year and that ends up you know creating a whole rush of takeaways for him but man there I feel like he should have like at least three this season now they'll come they'll come like intercepting the ball is a skill just like anything else and like you know once you when you're perfect in coverage the way he has been and he's been improving every week you know, that's when you can start being like, okay, I'm going to start being a ball hawk here, right? Like, I'm going to start going for the interception rather than just trying to, like, wall a guy off. And we so need he'll, some he'll ball, ball hawking role models. Yeah. The other guy who stands out, and, you know, we talk about these guys every week, is Rashid Shahid. Like, that speed is just different. 
it's been a long time since the Saints had a guy who could stress a defense the way he can. Like Chris Olave is fast. Chris Olave does not have that speed. And I don't know what Rashid's 40 time would have been if he ever ran one. He has never run a time 40. But man, it's, he's got to be a 4-3 guy. Like there's no question. Uh, maybe low 4-3s. Because that guy, it's a, I mean, he just glides. And it seems uh, and, like every every one of his movements, not just his feet, it's just amazing how everything seems so quick. He's just smooth. Yeah, he's also the guy who ran over Dean Pease, uh, which he felt bad about it. He, and like you, I, they actually had a replay of it. I, I saw it on ESPN. And he was just, yeah, he was just backing up the field to kick. And Dean was kind of looking the other way and just – and I don't I, – I think the issue was more like, you know, Dean Pease is 73 years old and he went down to the ground and I think he's hit his, he hit his head. Yeah, that's what um, I heard too. It was more of a the head hitting the turf kind of thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's seven, when you're 73 years old. I mean, going down to the ground, you know. But he was cleared from the hospital during the game. Yeah. No, I mean, he's it's good to hear that he's that he's healthy. And yeah, I mean, but I, I, again, when you're 73 years old and you get knocked to the ground by basically yeah, anything, true, true. You know, you're gonna you're gonna have some damage. And so it's good to hear that he's okay. But yeah, that was Rashid. He felt really bad about it. Uh, we talked. We, he was asked about it after the game. And uh, yeah, it was definitely nothing intentional or anything like that. No, and Sh- uh, you know, you know, talking with Shahid is very soft-spoken, humble kind of guy, and you could just imagine how awful. Yeah, he totally felt in that instance. But I'm glad he still was able to take it out on the Atlanta's defense. He's a really good kid. I, I do enjoy talking to Rashid a lot, and you know, like eventually he's going to return a kick for a score. It's only a matter of time. Definitely keep waiting for that one. It's like you hold your breath. It's like, is this the one? He's had a few big big returns, nothing crazy, uh, but it's going to happen eventually. At least it's not the turf tripping him up anymore. That was an early issue. But like this is like this game, you know, in Cleveland, right? This is a game that if you can break off a big return or maybe bring one back to the house, this is gonna this is gonna be a game where offense is hard to come by. I think, and it's a part of the game where if you can break something there, that's going to make it a whole lot easier to win. Um, so yeah, maybe maybe this will be the Rashid the Rashid Shahid return game. Um, Tell you after la- after last game already, even the kiddos are all about Rashid Shahid. My little guy was like, "Oh, maybe you know, instead of that Olave jersey, I want a Rashid Shahid jersey for Christmas." Yeah, like he's a guy who they're gonna keep around. Like you know, in the in the beginning of the season, you weren't sure. You were like, "Okay, maybe he's uh, he's only gonna be a return guy. Maybe he's gonna do this and that." Now yeah. he's gonna be a part of this offense for a long time, and like no, he's got that it factor, like you talk about. Well, and what 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 Da said is like. Yeah, we. I mean, we we liked him. Like we brought him in for a good reason. They didn't anticipate that he was going to be this effective this quickly in the offense. They brought him in as a return specialist, and you really didn't get to see him that much in the preseason. He was coming off a major injury. He's coming out of Weber State, Weber State, and FCS school. Like you don't know how that's gonna, that that skill set's going to transition. And you know, he didn't get a snap in the preseason. It, you know, in part because of the injuries, but I think largely because they didn't want to showcase him to other teams and risk them coming in on claiming on waivers. Um, and like, yeah, he's been a revelation and you know, the saints do it as good as anyone is, is finding these UDFAs. So we um, State, we got Dame Lillard and Rashid, the speed Rashid, she speed. It's growing <laughs> on me. All right. So we'll close this episode out with our MVP picks through 15 weeks. Steve, who is your MVP of the saints? At this point in the season, offense and defense included in this. Actually, let's do offense and defense. Let's do one on offense, one on defense. 
Okay, defensively and overall for the team, I would say definitely Demario Davis for leading the team in tackles. You would never guess he's also the sack leader at this point of the season. He doesn't lead the team in tackles. Oh, wait, no, I'm sorry. You're, I'm looking at solo tackles. Yes, Demario Davis has 89. So, yeah, he has 49 solo and 40 assists. He's jumped on the pile a whole bunch of times. But, no, you are you are right. I'm sorry. He, he, right, has, well, he doesn't lead. lead in tackles. And he, and he leads the team in sacks. Yeah. He hasn't missed a game. Uh, just a guy that you know is reliable on the field and also someone who is a leader in the locker room, especially. We've heard him, you know, during these dark, adverse times is where you really want to show up. And you can never say Demario Davis isn't giving it his all in a game. Just appreciate his play. And unfortunately, you know, you're wasting another one of his good years kind of thing in this defense of and not making the playoffs with him. Yeah. So, okay, here's here's my pick. And this is what's going to annoy some people, but I've been saying this all freaking year. It's Tyron Matthew. Okay, explain, please. I mean, like, this idea that he's missing tackles left and right, I don't know where it's come from, but, like, it's just not true, first of all. Tyron Matthew is number three on this team. Tyron Matthew, this 5'9 free safety, is number three on the team in total tackles with 70. He is number two on the team in solo tackles with 52. He has a sack. He has two interceptions. He has seven passes defensed. He has not missed a game. He has played 538 coverage snaps. The next closest is 496. So he has played almost a half game full of snaps, more than the second highest coverage player. So Paulson Adebo is number three at 421. So not only has he been effective, consistent, he has been there every week. He has the highest coverage grade of any defensive back on the team. Yeah, so like Cam Jordan, actually, if you look at pro football focus, has the highest coverage grade. It's only, it only has like seven coverage snaps, but he's been good when he's, in, he's been in coverage. But in terms of, of any defensive back, Tyron Matthew, his coverage grade is 82.8 from pro football focus, right? Let's see. Missed tackles. I'll go down the list. Number one, Demario Davis, 15. Number two, Alante Taylor, 12. Number three, Pete Werner, 10. And then a whole bunch of people with nine, and that includes Tyron Matthew. The others, Paulson Adebo, Caden Ellis, who hasn't even played that much. Bradley Roby and Cam Jordan also has nine missed tackles. So like this idea that he's out there whiffing on tackles left and right, fine. Like it's he, he's missed a few tackles, but you know, you're, if you're if the if the action is getting to your free safety down the field, someone missed a tackle earlier. In most cases, you know maybe there have been some business decisions. Whatever this guy has been consistent. He's been out there every week. He has two of your three t- interceptions on the year. And if you go back and you watch the tape from this game, he was laying the wood on people. He's made more touchdown saving tackles than probably anyone else. And and you notice them because it's this little guy trying to tackle a big guy a lot of the time. And so yeah. He is my Saints MVP, if you want to look at it as, uh, yeah, this idea that he has not made any tackles and he hasn't done anything in coverage. You know, he's been targeted 33 times, 22 receptions. That's 66% completion percentage against, 146 yards. That's one of the lower numbers on the team. Who's your guy on offense? No, I'm not done yet. Leave my man Tyron alone because not only has he been a good player, he has yeah. been a locker room leader in a, in a season when you needed it, right? Like, I just, I don't, it bothers me. It bothers me that everyone turned on Tyron Matthews so damn quickly. I think it's because of the the quality of play in the, the safety position has definitely dropped from the last two seasons. I, I mean, but, you, but here's the thing. And I and I understand why you say that, but the average NFL fan has no idea what the safeties are doing 
80% of the time because they can't see them. Like, like, and there's nothing wrong with this. Most NFL fans are ball watchers because that's how you watch the game. You watch the ball. So you don't know whether the safety is playing well in coverage. You're only reacting because you saw a highlight where he missed a tackle and all of a sudden everyone's saying Tyron Matthews sucks and everyone's piling on him. But if you look at like everyone who's analyzing the position, he hasn't played badly. And for whatever reason, everyone just flipped a switch and turned on Tyron Matthew. And all he's done is go out there and play quality, consistent football. And that's what bothers me about it. Um, and so, yeah. It, can, it might be from the lack of big plays, too, uh, that everyone expects. He a ton of big plays, but no one has, right? No, like, right. Like, if you – I mean, yeah, he has two interceptions. You'd hope to see more across the board. But, like, the defense as a whole has not been making game-changing plays. So it's like you can't hold that against Tyron Matthew, the one guy who's actually made interceptions. So, yeah, anyway. Tyron, if you're listening, I expect that check in the mail within the next few weeks. Uh, Pro Bowl voters agree with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so there's my there's my rant on Tyron Matthew. But, yeah, like you look, it's like, oh, yeah, you have a safety who's number two on the team in tackles, right, and solo tackles, and he's the guy you're complaining about? Like, <laughs> I mean – uh, a guy who just hasn't been – I don't even know if he's been on an injury report. I he's can't think of any time, honestly. He's just been consistent, and he he's out there playing hard. He's doing all sorts of shit. He's moving around all the time. He's playing in the slot. He's playing deep. He's playing strong. So you think he comes back next season? Oh, yeah, yeah. He's under contract. Of course he does. Well, that, again, yeah, again, it's like the only reason you might think, well, he might not come back next season is this idea that he's had a bad year, and he hasn't. I mean, look at okay, okay. One, one more thing on Tyron before we move on. Yeah, I think he and could that, possibly retire after this year. Well, sure, retiring is one thing. I mean, he is he is getting up there in age, right? So, yeah, maybe he could retire, but it's not going to be a question of whether the Saints want him back. And and here, here here's another thing. Okay, so and I know like people can look at the Pro Football Focus grades and say, yeah, whatever. But like at the end of the day, you you're just looking at a baseline, right? Like these are the same metrics they're looking at every year. Coverage grade. His highest coverage grade was 2015 with the Arizona Cardinals early in his career. Obviously, you know, he, I'm not going to question whether he was better back in 2015. Of course he was. Seven years later, this is his second highest coverage grade of his career this season at 82.8, according to Pro Football Focus, who has all these grades, right? His lowest was 2016 for Arizona. His second lowest was 2020 with Kansas City, right? Okay, so look at tackling. This is one of his worst tackling seasons, which fine. You know, if you're asking your 5'9 safety to go make open field tackles all the time, you're going to have a hard time. But from an overall defensive grade, this is his third highest grade in his career from pro football focus this season. So I don't know. If you think that Tyron Matthew is playing badly, it's because you had unrealistic expectations for what Tyron Matthew can do on defense. Because to me, you're, you're seeing a very consistent version of Tyron from what you saw throughout his career. And I think a big part of the issue is people remember LSU Tyron and this like all world playmaker. And, you know, he's just not that, but he is still a very good NFL safety. Is he Marcus Williams? No, but yeah, that's it. That's all. See, I just think this could be his last hurrah, honestly. I think oh, he, it's possible. I'm, I'm not going to say he's been God awful, but to me, it just hasn't been good. I mean, he's 30 years I, old. And I would I, say he does kind of look tired. A little bit. I was going to say, there's there's more instances I feel like he could have made a play than did, honestly, kind of thing. Okay. 
I know, right? <laughs> I, I can't dispute that because they don't know what, you're, what it's it's very vague. Um, but all right, let's move on. Okay, let's do this quick. Who's your offensive MVP? Offensive MVP, it's really tough. Obviously, you want to look at I think Jawan Johnson because he has the high receiving total. But I'm honestly going to say Taysom Hill just for the fact that he has been such a unique contributor to the team and able to get those tough yards when you need them. And I wish they would go to him more when they did need the tough yards. Yeah, that's a good point. He has nine touchdowns on the season. He has two passing, two receiving, seven rushing. It's pretty good. It's tough to give it to Jawan just because of like, yeah, he has seven receiving touchdowns. The circumstances of his touchdowns in a couple of those games were like garbage time, right? Ravens, you didn't have a chance. It was late. Uh, Cardinals, you really didn't have a chance. Two of those touchdowns were late, right? So like the in the sense that if you're only looking at the touchdown total, the circumstances make it a little more difficult, but he has been excellent. I, uh, I'm going to give it to the other guy I stand for, and I'll, I'll say Cesar Ruiz. Hey, y'all. It's Jeff. Just one quick note. We recorded this literally minutes before the Saints announced that Cesar Ruiz was going on injured reserve. I still stand by all the information, but I do need to give you that update because he will be done for the season. So, unfortunately, Cesar Ruiz is out for the year, and you're going to have to figure it out. But here's my take either way. Just because, like, I put a big value on consistency, and uh, this guy has been there in a season where basically every offensive lineman has missed time he's never he's never hurt he never misses the game he's been he's he's had his best season in run blocking he's been good in pass protection he's played two games at center you know in terms of like doing the most it's tough to give it to a lineman but um i mean i think he has been the most consistent player on the offense in terms of availability and consistency and you know what? If you were going to give it to an offensive lineman, there's no way in hell anybody would have expected you to say Ruiz, especially like over like a Ryan Ramchek even. Unless you were talking to me about me. Yeah, are we doing some Inception stuff kind of now? Yeah, Ryan, I, you know, I think Ryan's had a rough season. And yeah. like, that's why it, it annoys me is like it, there's this like echo chamber that people say stuff and then they have it repeated back to them and all of a sudden Tyron Matthew sucks. Right. And, and it's like, in reality, if you look at, if you look at Eric, who I'm sorry, Eric, uh, Ryan, who like everyone just assumes is playing well, he's had a rough season. He's had probably the worst season of his career. No one's talking about it because everyone's like, everyone's like assumes Ryan is without, without criticism. And, but like, let's see, let's look at uh, pressures. So let us look at pressures allowed, everyone. Pressures allowed on the season. Number one. James Hurst, 23 pressures allowed, 15 hurries, four sacks, four hits. That's not great. But hey, it's James Hurst. He's not a star left tackle, but he's he's filling in admirably. We're not going to pile too, too much on James. Those are rough numbers, but we're not going to pile too much on James Hurst because he's James Hurst. You know, like we did, he's been fine. He's done his job admirably. Number two, 20 pressures allowed, 12 hurries, five hits, three sacks allowed. Who do you think that is? I'm going to guess Ramchek. It's Ryan Ramchek. Oof. 20 pressures allowed. Your star right tackle. And granted, you're leaving him on an island a lot because you have to help the James Hurst side, right? So with that in mind, like fine. But he's had a rough season, you know, and he's supposed to be your star right tackle. Next on that list, Andres Pete, 15 pressures allowed. Calvin Throckmorton, who hasn't even played that much, 14 pressures allowed. Then, then uh, Cesar Ruiz has 14 as well. Eric McCoy has 10, but obviously – he has missed a several games. So, yeah, I mean, 
The other guy you could give it to is uh, is uh, Chris Olave, but it's I mean, you know, I think he's had some games where he's he's been very 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 important, and he's had others where he's disappeared a little bit. I and I don't think his offense has been anything to write home about in terms of production. So no, no, the one thing on Olave to me is honestly is a handful of drops on, and that's it. If Olave hadn't had those two awful drops that got turned into incomplete passes, well, actually. The one against the Bucks, where he fumbled going to the ground and it was a fumble and it got taken by the Bucks, And then the one later where he was going to the ground and it was the exact same play, but for some reason it was an incomplete pass instead of a fumble. And then he had the one where it hit him in the head, right? Like those, those are, it's tough to hold those against a rookie, but hey, if you're going to call someone the most important player on the team, right. you can't have moments like that. And uh, so, and, and I mean, he's, he's probably, you know, if you if we were doing a vote, he probably would win. Like if you were doing like a Twitter poll of all these players, he probably would get it. Um, What's wild is you know who wouldn't even be considered as Camara. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that's frustrating. Yeah, for sure. But anyway, all right, that's what I got. I had to I had to get my stands off my chest. I thought you were gonna honestly. I thought you were gonna go with Andy Dalton as the MVP for the offense. No, okay, well, so we can hit this before we go. There's there's this 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 idiot on Twitter who like he's like learning how the internet works in real time. It's 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 adorable. But so he seems to think that I, I that I'm like anti Jameis. And it's like every time I tweet about anything, it's like, well, you didn't like this when it was Jameis. Blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, dude, like if anyone had a had like a gripe where they could come at me and say you are being very mean to this player and he doesn't deserve it, it would be like Andy Dalton's family. Because I am a jerk when it comes to Andy Dalton. I'm like constantly saying he's not that good. It should be Jameis. Like and and like he's he's been fine, but like he has a ceiling and it's, we know what it is. But like it's so weird to me that it's like like there's this reflex where there's this like condition of people who they think like anything you're saying, if it's not pro Jameis, it's anti Jameis. And it's like, I love Jameis. I wish Jameis was starting a quarterback. I've said that so many times. You can vouch for this. We have talked about it over and over again on this podcast. But for some reason, I'm anti Jameis for this guy on Twitter. He he came at me about like, I was Is talking Jameis about one of one. No, it's not. Okay. It's Zenny moron who literally. So John O'Barnes, who's like a local comedian, he does this thing where he does like voiceovers of like interviews and he did one of Jameis, and it's obvious what they are. Like, un- yeah. unless you just don't understand how the the world works, because it's ridiculous. It's like a content that is not real, and you can tell just by listening to it. He saw that, and he like did like a YouTube video where he's like, "Oh my God, did you hear what Jameis said?" And then <laughs> he did a follow up, being like, "Actually, it was this," and it was like, "Yeah, everyone but you knew that." Is this a <laughs> a young man? No, no, no. He's just an old dude. Uh, he did a YouTube video and I only watched it because someone asked me about it. He did a YouTube video where he explained why Jameis was going to be the starter when he was healthy because it was in his contract that he had to be the starting quarterback for the Saints. And if the Saints benched him, they would be in breach of contract. He said that like he genuinely believed that. And it's funny because I, I know exactly how he got there. And it's like he said he got it from Jameis's camp. Right. And like someone said to him. The Saints signed Jameis to be the starter. They didn't sign him to be the backup. Because they did. Right. Like, like I've said that. But like you have to have like understand nuance of like like words. And 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 the, I don't really care about it that much, but like he was talking like shit to me 
and like dragging my name. And I was just like, and he was like, I'm not going to repost your stuff to prove it, but blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no, it's because you're shit posting without receipts. Like, I'm not going to just sit here and let you like, like pretend that this is happening unless you can prove it. And so he went and he like pasted his own tweet, like not like quote tweeted it, like a normal human would do, like pasted it in. And it was his response to my tweet. So I had to go back and find which tweet it was. And the tweet, the smoking gun tweet that he had was the game after Jameis got benched during pregame warmups. And he was like bouncing around. He was being very supportive. He was outside the locker room dapping people up. And so I tweeted that because I thought that at the time it was like, there's going to be people wondering whether Jameis is sulking on the sidelines and being a bad teammate. And so I, I put out a tweet to document that he was being a good teammate despite being benched, which I don't think everyone would do. And I think it's a good example of Jameis as a, as like a, just being a very upbeat, good person. Like there was a positive tweet about Jameis Winston. And that was the tweet he used to prove my anti-Jameis bias. It's just like, like, I get it. You know, like, sure. I think there is a lot of anti-Jameis sentiment out there. Maybe he's just trying to get a rise out of you. Well, it's just annoying because like, I don't think I'm that guy. You could go find that guy. I don't think I'm that guy. Anyway. No, I would definitely not categorize you as anti Jameis. <laughs> if anything, I'd be anti Dalton. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I spent the entire offseason being like, Bobby Abraham's an idiot. Andy Dalton's never going to be the starting quarterback for this team. And, you know, now, now, yeah. Tur- turns out Bobby knew a thing or two. All right. We've been going way too long on this, but it's been a lot of fun. I just, all right. I was going to wrap it up this episode of Inside Black and Gold. It's going to be a nightmare to edit, but it'll be a good one. That'd be good. Just throw it all together. Who has 90 minutes? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thanks everyone for listening. Getting all the way to the end here. We're getting ready for Cleveland on Christmas Eve. It's going to be a good time. I think we'll still stick on the Thursday schedule for the preview episode because I don't see why not. Although you're flying on Thursday, so that might be tough. We'll find a way to get it done. Yeah, we'll get it done. But yeah. All right. Anything else? Any parting words? No, now that the Saints are leaving early, I wonder if uh, Deshaun Watson has any uh, massage parlor recommendations. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, darn. All right. I don't even have anything to say to that. Peace, y'all. Oh, Stay oh, warm. Oh.